Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, Ham Residents. Hey, Phil, it's Scott. Oh, hi, Scott. How's it going? Good. It's time to do the podcast. Oh, well, excellent. I'm glad we can get to this finally. How have you been cocooning at home this week? It could be a lot worse. I don't have anybody telling me to get back to work. I've been trying to. Kids are are doing pretty good. No sign of the virus? Yeah, I got no symptoms. Unfortunately, potential contact with uh, people that may have had it. So I'm just being extra careful. Being an editorial cartoonist is not the most important frontline job in the world. So I figure I can work at home and take it easy. You're not missing many people here. There's about five or six people in a newsroom that usually has 40-some. So it's pretty barren here. Most of our reporters, editors, and photographers are working remotely or they're out in the community getting information. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad the editorial page editor there is to get those very important opinions in the newspaper. Including on the Madison School Board. We did a unique edit board meeting this week over the phone in this brave new world where we're not touching each other. <laughs> yeah, we had to cancel our in-person meeting with the school board candidates. There's four of them running for two competitive seats, and we instead had a conference call with them. We'll play some clips from that, we asked them about COVID-19, got into some other issues like, oh, I don't know, cops in schools. And Phil, we might even tip our hand on who we're going to endorse this Sunday. We might. Who knows? Depends where the conversation goes, Scott. We're not very disciplined. <laughs> no, we are not. This we is, could use a new behavioral plan. This is Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, this is Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the State Journal editorial board. In one race for school boards, seat seven, we have Wayne Strong, a former police officer who had two kids graduate from the Madison School District. I'm going to bring stability to the board. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bring my years of experience in working with various community groups, partnerships that we work with over the years that the district currently has partnerships with, and making sure that we're providing a, a safe, secure learning environment for our teachers, for our staff, and our students. Versus Nikki Vandermullen, a defense attorney who primarily works with juvenile and adult criminal cases. I've been an attorney going on 16 years, and I am the first autistic on the school board of the country. I am a voice for those in special education, those who are, who are underrepresented, and black and brown children with disabilities who often do up and are overlooked. The other race on the ballot April 7th for Madison School Board. In seat six, Christina Gomez-Schmidt, a parent who founded the Madison Partnership for Advanced Learning, is endorsed by Kate Taves, the incumbent who is leaving the seat. Um, The curriculum and instruction that we provide as a district, um, we must ensure that it's rigorous and relevant. We must make schools safe places for students to learn and teachers to teach. 
And I have um, been deeply involved in the Madison schools at all levels for 14 years. Gomez Schmidt faces Maya Pearson, another mom who worked for the Boys and Girls Club and who now is a revenue agent for the Department of Revenue. As a student of Madison Public Schools, um, I have like three really almost basically four generations of experience, like familial experience. My grandmother raised my my mom and her siblings in Madison Public Schools. My mom raised me in public schools. I'm raising my children in public schools, and that alone has that experience of there has not been a lot of change. We asked him about COVID-19 and the district's response to it. I think generally they were supportive of what the school has done. Maya Pearson had said she might have canceled classes a little sooner, or at least allowed those who could stay home to stay home. Nikki Vandermeulen had said she wanted to pay substitute teachers during this time. That was something that was a little bit different. I thought Nikki's answer was sort of interesting that, like, I guess as a parent of somebody in the district, you know, my first thought is the kids, their safety. How do we deal with, you know, that, that's got to be the priority. I guess I hadn't occurred to me to, to be worried about making sure all the part-time staff at the district was paid for however long this layoff is. There wasn't a lot of disagreement on that point, and the candidates want to focus on how students are going to get instruction moving forward. When we asked about priorities, the topic quickly turned to reading. Only about 10% to 15% of black students are proficient in reading in the fourth grade, and those percentages don't improve much the higher you go into middle school and high school. There were a couple of different responses to sort of that stat. Um, Christina Gomez, I think one of her talking points is this K-5 through curriculum she's trying to implement for reading to try and get kids especially up to fifth grade, reading at a more proficient level. People are are tired of words around us and really want um, some action that is going to make a difference for students. Which which sort of drew some criticism from, I think, Nikki Vandermeulen and from Maya Pearson for being sort of a one-size-fits-all approach, which I don't think necessarily it is, uh, but there was uh, a lot of talk of needing to individualize reading and how to, how to address each student individually to help each of them read, which is, I think, you know, a great concept, but really hard to implement in a district of 27,000 students. We can have um, curriculum that is culturally relevant for students and will want to invest more. Um, and so when we're talking about children of color, I think that that is one of the, the main focuses if we're going to increase our reading scores. That was Maya Pearson. Here is Nikki Vandermillen. I think it does need to be phonics-based, but again, it needs to work with students where they're at, and we need a curriculum that's also easily attainable for students who are in special education. So there seems to be a renewed push for phonics. Gee, they were talking about phonics when I was a kid. There's a great T-shirt that you could get. I think I saw it when I was in high school, and it was hooked on phonics worked for me, and everything was spelled phonetically right and, and incorrectly. <laughs> like phonics was, you know, F-O-N-I-K-S, hooked on phonics, worked for me. <laughs> These are not partisan races, but it often felt like Maya and Nikki were sort of the more progressive candidates in the case, where Christina Gomez and Wayne Strong were the more pragmatic candidates in, the, in their race. That came across in a big way when we were when Wayne Strong talked about how reading starts at home. I can tell you 
as a, as a Madison police officer, uh, I've gone into many, many homes on various calls. And it's amazing when you go into to homes in the black community, you don't see a lot of books lying around because you don't see children's books. You don't see any sort of uh, magazines or anything sort of reading material. And so, and, and, and what's imperative for kids is that they have access to that stuff in the home. And the Wisconsin State Journal has been a lead sponsor in an effort called Read Up to get more books that kids get to pick out themselves that interest them. That program has distributed thousands and thousands of books in recent summers to kids at summer school programs and other places. Maya Peterson and, and Nikki Vanderbilt both brought up the, t- the subject of culturally relevant reading materials for students, which I think is a great supplement to a, a strong reading program, but it can't be the basis of a curriculum. And if you don't have books at home of any kind, that's not relevant to reading. I have two kids in the district, and they bring back books on a regular basis that do represent diversity and, and have a lot of different characters, and, you know, lots of African-American stories or Latino stories. So I think the district is trying to improve on that. Both of my kids bring home books in English and Spanish because they're both fluent. You sent your kids to an evil charter school. <laughs> A public charter school in Nuestro Mundo, and that Spanish program continues up through La Follette High School. Uh, But that's another example of the district trying really hard to be culturally relevant, in that case, for Latino kids who maybe enter and don't even speak English. Where some starker differences arose was when we asked the candidates about their position on cops in schools and disruptions at Madison School Board meetings. There's a big issue about whether the the four high schools are going to each one of them has one educational resource officer that's kind of a liaison between the police department and the school district. Um, and there's been a lot of protests about these officers in the schools. They've been called part of the uh, school-to-prison pipeline, and several uh, several school board meetings have been disrupted and shut down by angry protesters who, who kind of talk beyond their time and yell at the school board candidates and, and yell over anybody else who doesn't agree with them. And Christine Gomez-Schmitz and Wayne Strong, who used to be a school resource officer back in the 1990s, they made it clear that they supported keeping the officers in schools. I support school resource officers in our schools. Um, their role is there to build relationships with students and staff. And in that way, they become better equipped to respond to developing situations and de-escalate conflict in our schools. That was Christine Gomez-Schmidt. Wayne Strong recalled his time as a school resource officer years ago. Um, I jumped at the opportunity because I felt like for me, being a black male and, and trying to be a positive male role model for our kids was important for me. He called the officers in the schools outstanding people. Three of the four school officers, by the way, are black men in a district that doesn't have a lot of black staff. They're not there to harass kids. When I go in to talk to teachers, staff, students about SROs, they think that the SROs are doing a good job. They want them there. If a kid is found with a gun in the school, uh, the, the SROs are the ones that deal with that. They know these kids. They have relationships with them, which is far better than a police officer coming off, off the street who may not know these kids and who um, you know, don't have a relationship with them. The encounter is going to go completely different. So these four officers in our high school, they understand all of that. They understand the whole issue with race and how race plays into discipline. Strong's opponent, Nikki 
Vandermullen has voted against having police officers in our high schools and at special events such as graduation at the Cole Center. Very simply, I voted no in the SRO contract, not because I am anti-police officers. I had requested training on disability and nonverbal students four separate times to get additional training. It was crossed out by the negotiating team. Those seem like some narrow reasons to vote no to me. Uh, Nonetheless, what about moving forward, we asked her. I would remove an officer only if training was not provided. If they could provide the disability training and cost sharing, that view may change. By cost sharing, she said she was concerned that the school district and the city weren't splitting the cost of the officers 50-50. I don't know, as a taxpayer, if it comes out of your right pocket or your left pocket, what's the difference? I guess we're not managing the school board budget, so from their perspective, it's money that they can't spend on anything else, but it is taxpayer dollars of one way or the other. Maya Pearson really wouldn't give us a straight answer. I feel like it's not as simple as saying a yes or no. It's, you know, if the answer is no, um, not supporting SROs, then what are we going to do? How are we going to make sure that our students are um, are invested in the schools and making sure we have trauma-informed staff and things like that? <laughs> and things like that. And, you know, if it's a yes, then, you know, it's, well, then how are we making sure that our officers that are going to be in the schools are community-like officers or have some type of training, um, as Nikki has expressed. So I think that it's not as simple as saying yes or no. It really is all those pieces that, in my opinion, um, are important when making those decisions. I think she probably knows where we stand on school resource officers, that we've supported them as an editorial board, and she didn't really want to tell us that she didn't. When it came to disruptions at school board meetings, which I think have really become a big problem, when the school board can't even hear what they're voting on at meetings when protesters are yelling over top of what they're saying, including some F-bombs. I think there might be a reason why we've had a couple of really smart, dedicated school board members, I'm thinking of Mary Burke and Kate Taves, leave the board because it's not fun to sit there in a room and be called a racist for four hours a night. If there is a Freedom Inc. sympathizer, it is Maya Pearson. It's a public meeting. They have the right to, you know, protest as in any place you can able, any place you can do it, you know? Um, so it's really, you know, how do we empower our students um, and I think that, you know, understanding their rights as, you know, as as citizens of this country, I think that is, you know, democracy. <laughs> yeah, at some point, though, the board has to be able to hear what it's doing. And other people should have a right to speak, too, not just the protesters. I thought that the responses from Christina Gomez-Schmidt and Wayne Strong were stronger. Many people don't, and I hear this all the time from different people in the community, they don't want to come to board meetings because they don't want to be shouted down by so They don't want to get into a confrontation with someone just because they happen to have a difference of opinion. You have people whose voices are being muted because uh, certain people uh, have a difference of opinion, and, be, and because their, their opinion is different, now all of a sudden they're being shouted down, and that's just not fair. You should not have to go into behind closed doors or huddle behind the president to finish up a meeting because someone's shouting us down. We need to make sure that people are being respectful, and and it is it is it is not 
a good thing for our democracy. It's not good for our kids. We understand that people have strong points of view, but we need to allow for space people to have differences of opinion. I agree with a lot of what Wayne just said. We need to find a way to have constructive and civil dialogues at the school board level so everyone feels that they can show up and have their voice heard um, in a respectful way. And the board also has to be able to conduct the business that it is there to do. That was Christina Gomez-Schmidt. When we asked what the difference was in each race, and as you and I and the rest of the editorial board was thinking about who were we going to endorse, I think a couple themes came out, which is I heard both Wayne Strong and Christina Gomez-Schmitz talk about bringing stability to the board. And I found that to be a very compelling point. There is some instability on the board, and there's some there, there have been a lot of, I would say, sort of silly fights over especially the police in schools. I mean, there was a recent dust-up over whether they were going to have Madison police officers run security at the Cole Center during graduation, which there's a contract that they have to be there. And, you know, it was basically the question of, do you cancel graduation at the, you know, do you cancel graduation for the schools, for the high schools, or do you allow the cops in the building? You know, and this this seems like a no-brainer to me that you don't cancel graduation. But it was a it was a you know a several-hour-long meeting and a fight and hurt feelings on all sides and yeah, it's just a little ridiculous. And Nikki Vandermullen uh, voted against the contract. She basically voted to cancel graduation at the Coal Center. Is what she voted for. I mean, that would have been potentially the effect. There was a little bit of a dust-up near the end of the meeting where. Maya Pearson pointed out that the child of Christina Gomez-Schmitz goes to a private school, the Eagle School, which is... In Fitchburg, which is a high-achieving private school. In response, Gomez-Schmitz said her oldest son graduated from Memorial, her middle son is a sophomore at Memorial, and her daughter will go, presumably, to Memorial when she gets to high school in a couple years. I really don't think that's a big deal. I mean, one of the things that I liked about Christina Gomez-Schmitz, we have a lot of people on the school board very concerned about the people that are struggling in the schools, the students that aren't doing well. Christina, Christina Gomez-Schmidt worked on advanced learning stuff, you know, and making sure that the students who need an advanced learning environment have that in the Madison School District. And that keeps us a strong district so that we can have, we don't want families moving out of the district because they feel like they're teaching to the lowest common denominator in the schools. Wayne Strong, one of his big goals is more community engagement with families and parents and their kids through the school district and also showing kids a path to success. We know that in Madison, young black men are the ones who are struggling the most in our school district, and I think Wayne Strong cares deeply and passionately about that demographic and has, I think, some of the best solutions to try and help them. For years and years, he has been a Southside Raiders football coach, and he's been an SRO in the schools, that student resource officer. He has been a huge role model for countless young African-American boys and young men in our community, and I think he would continue to do that. He just has a very calming presence to him as well. Yeah, and a lot of people are talking about how, hey, why don't these cops in schools de-escalate conflict? Well, Wayne Strong, I think on the school board, he would de-escalate conflict on the board. I think you're 
right. Yeah, I think he's the he's exactly the right kind of candidate that our school board needs. So if it hasn't become obvious, in this Sunday's newspaper, the Wisconsin State Journal will be endorsing Wayne Strong and Christina Gomez-Schmitz for Madison School Board in the April 7th election. Assuming that goes forward as planned. We also will thank all of the candidates for running. They were all impressive. They're good people, and they're giving voters a choice. Take advantage of that choice, even with the coronavirus pandemic threatening public health. And to find out more about how to vote absentee, go to go.madison.com slash vote from home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.